0: This is the Next Simple Step Podcast. I'm Paul Goldsmith. So you've got a great idea for a business or product, and you're really enthusiastic about it. You're so passionate. And guess what? That's not enough. You've got yourself a good hobby. But if you actually want to make it a business, you have to learn sales. And I've learned this the hard way. So I'm really excited about today's guest. Chris Tate is here. He's the founder of Fit biz academy and i was in a mastermind with this guy so he knows his stuff he teaches gym owners in particular how to run million dollar studios so i'm still working my way up to that level chris welcome to the podcast
1: paul thanks for having me excited to be here i was just listening to one of your episodes this morning what i was running so timely
0: (laughs) thank you and what is the number one sales mistake you see Of first time business owners, people are entrepreneurs, they're really passionate about changing the world, helping people. But then there's this dirty word called sales. What do you think the apprehension is, and what is the number one mistake you see people make in doing sales?
1: I would say, like, the number one reason sales don't close, as a stat, it's not even really my opinion, is that we just don't ask for the sale. And I think, you know, a lot of the times when I coach clients, The first thing we go over before I start to change your sales process or any of your tactics is your mindset. Mindset is the biggest part of the program and actually having belief and goals and manifesting right, and believing that what you're selling or what you're doing is going to better somebody else. Now, when people come into our studio or our gym, they're in search for, like I guess, the magic pill. They have pain points and we just need to connect the dots and solve them. As long as we do that, they should join. But I think what happens along the way is we get told no a lot. And I always tell my clients, the job is no. If the job was yes, we would just have people just sign up online and we'd be multimillionaires because they could just go do that all day. So your job, if someone says, no, I don't want to enroll, is to figure out why they're not enrolling, get them over that hurdle and ask them, hey, will you sign up? Right. And so that's the biggest mistake I normally see. I mean, there's a lot of steps along the way to kind of get there. But if we're talking about why sales don't close, that's probably the number one reason.
0: I completely agree. We all avoid awkward conversations, or most of us do at least. And so how do you help people overcome that awkwardness? They don't want to feel like it's high pressure. like a, you know. Particularly when you're getting started, it might be friends or people that you know that you're trying to sell to. And you're like, let's not make it weird. They know what it is and they'll buy it if they're interested. So how do you overcome that apprehension to actually getting to the actual ask?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is doing the reps. Like a lot of the time when I coach clients, they have a lot of salespeople and I say, hey, when was the last time you guys ran a training? And they'll be like, oh, it's it's been a while. Or like corporate came down like last month and that's when we had it. And I'm like, OK, great. So after that, how often are your people working? And they say, well, we got some folks that work once and twice a week. And so when you have that type of role player on your team and you have a lot of people on your team and they're just not getting the reps, let's say you get, you know, 20 new people to come try your workout that's maybe like one to two at-bats per person, right? And if we talk about sports, like I'm a big sports fan, the players that are playing at the highest level are practicing every single day. And so that's probably the biggest thing is just doing the reps to get that confidence because then it just becomes easier. And the second part of that, which I kind of alluded to earlier, is just belief. You work in the industry. You've seen how fitness can change people's lives. From listening to your podcast, it sounds like it's changed your life, right? And so from that standpoint, If you believe that you're doing good, and if I walk up to you and say, hey, you know, and in the back of my mind, this guy in front of me is a complete stranger. I'm going to invite him into my location to try out what I believe is to be one of the best workouts on the planet. We have the best community, and they're probably going to love it there. And who knows what they're going through? But if I bring them in, it can change their life. I'm doing good in the world. And if you approach it from that mentality, it's easy, right? You can just walk up and say, hey, my name is Chris. What's your name? Paul. Great. What I'm doing is going out giving guest passes for a free week to our fitness studio. I'd love to invite you as my personal guest. What's a good phone number to text you this guest pass, right? And so we're enabling the world to go out and come try this workout. And you don't know what they're going through. They could be going through a ton and fitness could actually fix that. So you're almost kind of selling the best product on earth, which is fitness, you know, bettering people's lives. So that's the way I approach it.
0: 100 percent. I think if you're going to be an entrepreneur, it's really hard. Do something you actually enjoy, something that does better the world, because that really helps in sales. I mean, you can sell stuff that you don't believe in, but it's a lot harder. (laughs) And so why not sell something that you actually are passionate about? And yeah, you're a believer in, and that's 100 percent true. As I was looking for businesses to be a part of, I wanted it to be something that I know works that I could wholeheartedly get behind. And then you're right, you go back to remember like why you care so much and how it's impacted you. And in my case, it was my wife's gym, Burn Boot Camp, totally changed her life. She made lifelong friends there. And it helped not just with her physical health, but mental and just modeling for our kids. And she was, you know, have more energy for our three kids and all the things. And so I'm like, yes, I want every mom, every dad, every person to experience this. kind. And so I was a little slow. I like three years behind her. I joined and started working out. And the same thing, it gave me such a mindset shift and you can do hard things. And then you start to see progress, not just in the gym, but then in life. And so absolutely, you know, getting passionate about it, you know, the reason you got started in the first place, it changed your life and you want to help others. But that's not enough, right? You then have to be able to have those unpleasant conversations, as you said, put in the reps. I think about all of the people online you can follow on YouTube and just everywhere else that are selling things online But Chris, what I appreciate about you, you don't stop there because there's a lot of folks that you dig beneath the service and they're just selling courses to people. (laughs) That's where they make all their money. The courses, not in the actual product that they're selling. And so in your training, you're actually helping people. It's old school. As you say, nose to nose, toes to toes. That still works.
1: It does still work, and you know, to kind of give you like a little bit of a backstory, I kind of grew up in the day where there was no social media advertising, and so back then we had to wear our slacks and dress shoes. I had my penny loafers on and our dress shirts, right? <laughs> and we had to hit the pavement, going around town, going to business to business, walking up to complete strangers. And so I come from that background, so I had an advantage. Now, when social media came into play, it completely blew the doors off, and we're starting to see these pre-sales have 500, 800 members starting points. But yeah, the grassroots portion is something that I truly believe in and try to really coach people on because when you buy into a franchise, they tell you, hey, you're going to have to presale. And these are all the different things you're going to have to do along the way. But somewhere along the lines, you know, when someone opens, they stop pre-selling, They stop doing the events. They stop going door to door. They stop doing all the things that made you successful and got you to that point in a very short amount of time. So I try to bring them back to those and just kind of tweak a couple of things that they're doing to just make them successful. Because the reality is, and you talked about this on one of your latest episodes, is if Facebook goes away tomorrow, what are you going to do? So my biggest thing is diversify yourself, have different streams of getting leads, and really just be the mayor of your town because when you're well-known and when people see you often, at least seven times right, throughout your community, they're going to end up joining because you're known. And that's kind of the biggest secret to success is just being known.
0: Man, I love that. And sometimes the simple things that we take for granted, they still work. People buy from people. And they got to know you, first of all, that you exist. And so you got to get out of your space and go meet people where they're at, which they're not in your gym or whatever you're selling. They're living their life and you've got to go intersect with where they're at. And you're not just a guy that sells courses. Now you do do your masterclass, but you were a corporate trainer for Orange Theory for a number of years. And that brand has exploded over the last decade. And you are a big part of that. So tell me, what was the secret of your success there? A couple things. First and foremost, I had a lot of, when Orange
1: Theory first started, they brought in like basically the all-star team of people that worked in these big box gyms, took that sales process and made it fit Orange Theory. And I was part of that, right? So I came over, I helped kind of rewrite the sales manual. We flew around the country training these new owners on the sales process and what makes it successful. I would say Orange Theory as a brand understands something that I think a lot of fitness brands right now still don't understand, and that is neuroscience and the brain. And so if you think about Orange Theory, what's the first thing that you buy along with your membership? It's a heart rate monitor, right? So that instantly kind of increases the lifetime value of your sale. But what does the heart rate monitor do? Well, up on the board, you're constantly looking at it. And every time you're looking at it and you're seeing your stats go up and down, you're accumulating these different, you know, what they call splat points, moments that you spend in these different zones, it's releasing dopamine in your brain, and you're instantly getting results day one. One of the biggest reasons people quit fitness facilities is that they're not seeing results or they don't feel like they're a part of something. Well, Orange Theory, you get to see a result on day one that you join. So that's a huge factor in why they exploded. It's kind of like they gamified fitness and results. And so I don't want to say that Orange Theory's success was all like, you know, the people that kind of wrote everything up. A big part of that was like Ellen is brilliant. Dave Long is brilliant. But they understand neuroscience, the brain, and then we just brought in our sales expertise, piled on top of that, and that's what made it a smash hit.
0: Man, absolutely. I'm very fascinated in in neuroscience, and you got to do what works. Now, at the end of the day, they can't just play a game and then nobody gets fitness. They don't get gains, because the game doesn't work long-term if it's just a video game, if it's just an app. But if you're just a great fitness product, in our example, but whatever it is, if you're just a great product, but it's not fun and easy to use and releases dopamine. It's going to be a lot harder to get conversions. And so I don't like to work hard. I like to work smart yep. and playing to helping gamify things, makes sense. And I saw that when I decided to get fit. Orange Theory was the first place I went because that really appealed to me, actually. I visited that a couple times and then I checked out a CrossFit and it's the same idea. They have their own version. And so I've taken this and applied it to Burn Bootcamp. We just made a significant investment in an in-body machine for the very same reason, because we want people to see gains. And as an example, somebody might come to a gym saying they want to lose weight and maybe they come for a month and they want to lose 10 pounds and at the end of the month they've maybe lost five which is great but they didn't lose the 10 so it seems like a failure but if they do the in body machine and you can scan and see the muscle you know you, maybe you gain several pounds of muscle in that time period that's a win but you don't know because you're only looking at one factor the number on the scale which is not enough information and so the in body gives you tons of data points And it also helps the trainers have a conversation. So you think about those things and you're like, well, that's a nice thing to have for our members. And I think about it differently. I wonder your thoughts. This is a sales tactic also because it shows people when they come in, there's so much more we can help and come alongside you than just a good workout. It really is helping you understand and really making it fun so that you can see the growth. Right now, what I'm thinking about is helping Our team members and the people that work the front desk educate those prospects on it's more than just, you know, come and get your sweat on because there are cheaper gyms in our town. But really, you're joining a community of people that are going to encourage you and rally you on. And we're going to give you tangible evidence that you're making progress along the way.
1: I'm so glad that you guys are doing that.
0: We just have to make sure that people keep coming back. And we can take a lesson from, you know, Facebook clearly figured this out with giving people constant alerts and the comments and the likes, and it's addicting. So how can you take your product or service and make it addicting when they engage with you and make that a part of the sales process, get easy wins. In our case, we give a free trial so they can get some early wins and really, it just makes it easy so that you're not constantly, like in the case of a gym, it's scary. If you haven't been working out, it can be intimidating. And I think that as quickly as we can just give people a win on the front end, they're going to sell themselves. And I know one thing is selling is not telling. That might be a mistake that I see often is like, we're just going to describe like all the awesome things about our business. And then people are of course are going to buy. So how do you really help people go from telling people more information about the product to actually helping them really engage with the prospect and let the prospect sell themselves?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think what you're doing first and foremost with the in-body is magical. And I think, I wish more people would do that too, because it's important to get that process done early on. In fitness, what it's important, and I call this show and tell versus know and tell. Some Ooh, person cool. walks in off the street and they walk into your facility, and you start going, oh, this is our floating floor. These are our barrel ropes. This is where our bathroom is. Want to join? Right? They're probably like, no, I still <laughs> don't know if this is going to solve what I'm hoping to do. So the first thing that I would recommend doing is sitting down with them and finding out, hey, how often do you work out right now? What are you looking to achieve? And what span of time? What stopped you in the past? Do you have any injuries? Right? So then I can say, okay, great. You're looking to lose weight for a cruise. On these certain days, this is what we do. It's cardio or strength training. We recommend that you come in at least X amount of times. We can make an accurate prescription based on what their goals actually are. So a big part of this whole thing is listening. But also what it does is it has the customer explain why they showed up in the first place. Now, when they first saw that Facebook ad, they were probably sitting on their couch and going, man, this Taco Bell tastes great, but I really would love to be in shape. And I know I've got this special event coming up where I would just like to just feel better. From the time that they book that first class to the time that they show up, it might be a few days. So you need to basically remind them or put them back in that seat where they said, hey, I don't feel like myself. And a powerful method of doing that is having them describe to you, hey, this is my goal. This is how I felt. This is what I've done, right? It kind of puts them back in that frame of mind to re-envision those pain points and why they showed up. But the in-body, the uh, eVolt machine is also magical at kind of highlighting some of those different spots where they may not see, hey, maybe you have a lot of visceral fat, which we know is just not good. And you have grandkids, so you want to live to see them for a long time. Like this is an important thing to get down. So we can become better at making suggestions and better at advising people on what to buy and how to buy if we know more about them. And I think that's very key in what you're doing right now with the embody Machine.
0: Well, thank you. And you said a couple of things there. One, listening is so important because I, I feel like you got to get the focus off yourself for a minute and actually see the human in front of you. What are their fears? What are their needs? Ask them and then stop talking. <laughs> right? That's hard to do. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think a lot of salespeople like, will start to overtalk. you know, or if they hear a second of silence, the prospect's kind of thinking they'll start to overexplain or go into something else or immediately drop down to a different price point it's okay for there to be some silence, right? So when you ask the question, is there anything stopping you from joining today? You know, and they have to kind of think about it. It's okay for them to do that. Like let time go by and let them actually answer. They're just processing the information. So yeah, if you're a salesperson, the best advice I can give you, and Paul, you know this, is listen and just give them the information that they need to hear based on what they told you.
0: Yeah. And focus on their goals, not what you're most excited to offer. I think this transcends the gym space. This is everywhere where somebody's really excited about one thing, but people might be buying something totally different from you. And if you're just focused on what you're selling, (laughs) you're missing it. And in our case, it's the community is number one. We ask our members, like, why are you here? And they love the community. So we really emphasize that. And it's different for different people. But by and large, have you asked people, What's their goal for talking to you in the first place? Like, what are they trying to accomplish and meet them on their terms and focus on the benefits to their life, not the features of your product?
1: Absolutely. That's another thing, too, is we often commission our salespeople based on the level of membership that someone buys, right? And so, if I walk onto a car dealership and I have my heart set on a certain car, and the car dealer guy Directs me to a different car because he gets a bigger commission on that, there's a complete miss, and I'm not going to buy that day. So oftentimes we are told, hey, lead with the top tier membership because that's going to lock them in for, you know, 12 months or whatever. Maybe that's not what they need. So if you do a good job at listening or asking questions as well, the prospect will tell you what they're looking for. And if you study just some of the great interviewers of all time, you know, Oprah's one of them, and just the majority of the time, they're asking questions but like if you calculate the amount of minutes that the actual person that's being interviewed talks versus the interviewer, it's staggering. Like the person interviewing is only asking like questions, maybe like less than 10% of the time and the prospect should be talking the majority of the interviews, so.
0: Yeah, selling themselves. And well, you mentioned, yeah, not just trying to sell the highest, priced item, because that might not be right for the client. And also, it's interesting, as I'm learning this gym business, talking to other franchise partners, learning that in some cases, they want a longer-term commitment, so they sell the 18-month package, but some locations have learned that those are the earliest cancellations because they bought the 18 months, because there's a little discount for the longer term, so the, the salespeople are really emphasizing that. And then six months later, that person has stopped coming and they want to cancel. And it's, well, wait a second. So if that's our number one group of people that are canceling, maybe we might not want to emphasize that unless... You know, somebody is really committed to the long term. How about we start with a shorter term? And, you know, if that's less likely for those people to cancel. And I think you've got to you got to know your numbers. Also, this is another thing that I've learned on the job as far as, you know, you're excited about starting a new business and offering, but you really have to know what your costs are like. What's the cost to acquire a customer? What are some other numbers you really encourage people when they're getting into selling that new product or service? what are the key numbers to track?
1: Yeah, key numbers to track. So I call this LAPS. It's an acronym for leads, appointments, presentations, and sales. And so the more laps that we run, you know, the more fit we're going to get. So if you want to kind of think of it in that context, but the goal is to get as many laps as possible. Now, I always work backwards whenever I kind of go in and work with a client and I ask them, what's your new join goal? And They may throw out like a random number. Okay, why that number? Is it because you're trying to outpace your cancellations that you forecasted? Is it just because that's what other franchisees are hitting? So we need to narrow down a target. We need a number there. What I like to do is work backwards from there and say, okay, based on the amount of joins that you want, we know that you're closing at a certain percentage. So let's call it 50% because you guys are great at closing. Then, you know, if we want 20 joins, we probably need 40 presentations. So there's the P, right? And then basically, you kind of just reverse engineer the numbers based on how you're performing. I think an important thing, though, is if you understand laps, and everyone on your team should, so if I go in, and I ask one of your salespeople, or one of your ambassadors, or even a trainer, what's the goal this month, everyone should know that number. So it's if you ever heard the term like pushing the rock uphill, it just can't be done with one person, it's got to be the whole team. So everyone should be in tune and driving toward that number. But I think what a lot of people do is they make a mistake and they figure out their new join number that they want for the end of the month, but they don't recalibrate. And this is something I heard you talk about in one of your episodes as well is, you know, okay, one week goes by, let's say Paul and your wife, you guys go on vacation and the gym just doesn't do anything, right? There's no new joins. We didn't get any leads. We didn't have any presentations. We just kind of blanked. What most gyms do is they'll say, okay, for the remaining three weeks, We're just gonna keep it as is and just keep all the numbers the same. You gotta recalibrate those numbers to now make up the deficit for that week that you lost. So I think that's where a lot of people kinda go wrong, but if you understand those numbers within laps and you educate your team on them and they really understand them, that's 90% of the business right there.
0: Okay, yeah, you gotta know your numbers. I love that. And it really is, put in the reps and don't let the hole keep getting bigger. If you miss a week, that's okay. Stuff happens, life happens. But, you know, don't miss two, three a month and it just piles up and you'll never catch up from that. So you've been around the gym space, the franchise space for a while. What is sort of the biggest determining factors in the folks that end up closing their doors? What's the big mistake?
1: There's a couple things. I think right now it's tough because there's a lot more competition that there used to be. And COVID kind of played a big factor in this and that's a lot of openings got delayed, So what you're seeing now is all these locations coming on at once. And so the digital marketing space is pretty saturated. There's cost per lead is going up. And people just aren't doing the grassroots marketing and getting out there like they should. That's one thing. I think from a franchisor perspective as well, and I heard your episode with Wolf, which I thought was pretty interesting. And he was saying, like, any number that the franchisor tells you that, hey, you need this amount of money to kind of start and open with and run with for three months, pretty much double that. And I would agree with basically that statement Because you're just going to run into things along the way that you're going to want to do, attrition, things of that nature. And then right now, like you have to understand that a franchisor's job is to sell more franchises. Their job is to sell you the dream. So you need to do your due diligence. You need to, hey, if some doors are closing on that franchise, call those people up and say, hey, why are you closing your doors? Figure that out. Understand what their pain points were so you don't fall into that same thing. And then I think just from a franchisor's perspective as well, they just need to do a better job at supporting their franchisees. Some have like franchise business coaches, but I would say all in all, like they're not offering the amount of support that probably is needed because a lot of folks, this is their first time in this business. They may have been a really successful person at a company that has maybe fit a great role and done that for a long time and then want to try entrepreneurship. As you said, entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. So right. when people start to struggle, really what that happens is they kind of get into this death spiral where they can't get out. They feel like everything's overwhelming. The mindset is the number one thing that starts to diminish and they can't get out and they eventually have to sell. So that's what I'm seeing a lot of. And I think just the economy too right now is, is tough. We're seeing some brands that have never closed any doors in the last couple months have closed quite a few. So I would say those are all the factors.
0: Man, that really hits home. And News to come, but my wife and I are actually opening a second franchise to complement the Burn Boot Camp. So stay tuned Congrats. for that. But you're absolutely right. There's been delay after delay. And the numbers we were presented as the average cost to open this particular franchise, we had to tack on $200,000 <laughs> to that of what we yeah. were quoted, which, you know, your boy almost doubled it. And so it's okay. Yeah, buckle up. And we still think the numbers are good, but they're not nearly as good as the sales document we were presented to buy a franchise. And so that is a thing. If you're thinking about franchising, the people selling you franchises, that's how they make money, selling you the franchise. And the best thing, and I learned, is you talk to other franchisees. And the first franchise I looked at, because I love running, I looked at Fleet Feet. And, you know, great company, love their process, all the things, but ended up talking to a number of franchisees and every single one of them said, hey, they love it, but they're in the store 10 hours a day and they're the manager. And that's the way Fleet Feet likes it. And I'm like, well, you know, I like my freedom a little bit much. I don't necessarily want to manage a Fleet Feet. I thought it would be interesting to own one, but the reality on the ground is not for me. And Whatever you're looking at, make sure you talk to people doing the thing you want to do, and find out from them what the pain points are. I love learning from other people's experience before I have to learn for myself. Now, there's some things you'll figure out yourself, but you talk to enough people, they'll tell you the truth.
1: Yeah, great advice.
0: Well, Chris, I think when it comes to running businesses, you've mentioned a couple times the importance of grassroots marketing. People don't like you knocking on their door and you know, where do you even begin, right? You're hoping people walk through the door of your business or DM you on Instagram. But when that dries up, what does grassroots marketing even look like?
1: A lot of people ask me where to start, and, what people expect from me or or people in my space is that we're going to give them the one tactic that's going to just flood their gym and get them completely rich. And the reality is that if that existed, um, I wouldn't be doing this. I would just be running locations. (laughs) So the biggest thing is that you just need to do all the things and you need to be consistent. Like with you, with this podcast, how many episodes are you at now, Paul? We're at about 160. Consistency, right? And so Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you to go out and I can tell you to try A, B or C. But if you do that one or two times and you come back to me and say it didn't work, well, hey, how about trying it another like 300 times? Because that's what I had to do. So I walked out in the street for, you know, I'll tell the old story of walking uphill to school in the snow, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's true. Like you get told no enough. It starts to kind of wear you down. But The biggest thing, and I would say where to start even, is just in your actual location. Figure out who your demographic of people is. Hey, we have a large concentration of people that work over at the local hospital. Well, I'm going to probably call up that hospital and figure out who their wellness manager is and see if we can start to do a little bit there. I'm going to go business to business. I'm going to make sure everyone in my plaza knows about me. That's the first thing I do. I used to do on sites where I would fly out and spend a couple months at locations to turn them around. But the first thing I would do before I even walked in their doors is I would go to all the businesses in their plaza and say, "Hey, have you heard about this gym? And do you know the owner or the manager?" And sure enough, every time they would say, "Like, no, we've seen it, obviously, but we've like never walked in there. We've never heard from them." So I would say start small, and as this podcast says, next simple step, like start in your plaza. Start with your members. Like, where do your members work? Figure out that you know ideal customer profile of who they are, where do they shop. So, hey, if you have like the stay-at-home mom, maybe they're at the nail salon, maybe they're at Target. I would start to go places like that, the Lululemons, and then start working out from there. But first step is the most powerful, and you know this is referrals and in the gym.
0: Absolutely, you create passionate advocates and then activate them and make it easy for them because people are busy and they got their own businesses and lives to run so we offer cards and incentives for if you refer a friend you get discounts and cash back and all the things and we're trying different things but I appreciate what you said it's about consistency there's not a magic bullet and 160 episodes into this podcast I'm just getting warmed up and figure it out I'll give a shout out to another creator that I follow uh, it's Heather Party And she said she's been doing her podcast, her thing on Instagram for six years. And she also has a six-year-old kid. She's thinking about like how the six-year-old kid is still learning how to move around in the world and falls down a lot and is not a fully grown adult. And so you should think about your craft in that way. If you're, you know, single digits into something, you're just getting warmed up. That's why I encourage if you're going to start a business, if you're going to buy a franchise, you got to be committed for the long haul. There is no get rich quick (laughs) scheme. And I've had to learn that to discipline myself, to not expect And I've learned this from going to the gym. Like you don't get all the gains overnight. You don't see much of a difference at all from day one to two to three. If anything, you're sore and, you know, it hurts. But when six months, a year, three years go by, you're seeing massive gains. But then it's true. Comparison is the thief of all joy. So then you look at the business down the road or the creator that has so many more followers, so many more customers, and you're like, what am I doing? Well, guess what? They, you know, may have started a decade before you. And so I wonder from your perspective, if that is a really challenging thing for salespeople when they look and see other things growing at a faster rate, they just feel like, man, I don't got it. What am I doing?
1: It's a great point because I've been in this industry for 20 years. I started off as a trainer. I don't feel like I really figured out everything I was doing or it all clicked until like the last like three years of it. And that's a very long time. Right. And so. 17 you know, and years, yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah. And so to think that we just get good overnight, or you're just going to do one rep and sell a client, or you're going to walk up to someone and they're just going to give you a name and number. It's like false hope. It's something that you have to practice over time and do a lot. And really it's just, it's a numbers game. You know, it took me 17 years to really nail down the craft of understanding how the business kind of cycles works and then evolved with technology. Luckily I can share that stuff with my clients so they don't have to go through 17 years of it. But yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like anything, if you want to be good at it, it takes consistency and practice. And I think there's like a quote that says, even if you just spent 10 minutes a day on something for the next like few months or years, you'd be like in the top 99% of people doing it. And that's really true.
0: Yeah. And don't quit too soon, right? I think that's the biggest thing. If you don't see such massive gains that you kind of lose heart, And you might be giving up a month or six months before you really hit your stride. And so you've given us a lot of simple steps here. And the biggest thing I've heard is, one, know your numbers and track them. I love the quote, measure what matters, right? And just because you are passionate about your good or service or product does not necessarily make you inherently a good salesperson. But if you're in business, you've got to master business. And that's why I love learning from people like you, Chris. So if you're in the fitness space or the wellness space and you want to learn from one of the greats, Chris, what's the best place for people to find you? Two
1: places, really. So my website is called fitbizacademy.com. And you can go there and I have some courses and you can just reach out to me. Best place if you just have a question or just want to chat is my Instagram. And that handle is at not Chris Tate. So a little counterintuitive there, but there was too many Chris Tates in the world. So I am not (laughs) Chris Tate on Instagram.
0: Well done. Thank you so much for dropping knowledge on us today, Chris. I appreciate you being on the next Simple Step Podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Paul. Appreciate it.